0: You're
1: listening
2: to... Whoa! hot luck, And hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is episode 66 for Thursday, July the 29th, 2021. My name is Marvin you're, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed... Well, returning to talk to us about all the good topics <laughs> that through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American, professional, well-rested Asian-American, Just Jew. What She's up,
0: back, baby! Pew, 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 pew! Sound the air horns!
2: <laughs> Did you have a relaxing vacation out in the Hawaiian Islands?
0: Not really, because I just ate a lot. Like, it was a lot of eating. Like, I had to cram in, like, seven meals a day. Like, we literally didn't do anything but eat, so...
2: And that wasn't relaxing. I guess if your stomach is stressed out, it's not relaxing at all, right?
0: It, it's, it's, uh, no, it was great um, and very tasty. Very much like, you know, had to go with the island time and accept that, you know, things posted were not 100% accurate. Fine for a vacay. Um, probably could not live like that. Like, I think it sent my anxiety through the room. <laughs> But that no, was great. And, you know, I went to go see a friend who is working, you know, working on the island. So it was good to also just to see friends after and spending like very good quality time with like the high school crew after being so isolated for the last 18 months.
2: How is everything over there? Is is Delta a problem there, too?
0: Um, Their intake is pretty strict, I will say. I also want to, you know, acknowledge the some criticisms of like. Anyone going to the islands at all? Um, Look, we're about to valid. talk about the Olympics here,
2: so we, there's a lot of caveats I know, to our I discussion. Know.
0: The thing is, like, I didn't because <clears throat> we, we basically avoided a lot of like Waikiki and some of the more mm. like we, we were staying trying to stay out of like that frickafrost frickafray. <laughs> uh, so a lot of things we were like still pretty chill. Um, more, I think, I think still a little bit, I mean, California has been not, we're not 100% great, obviously, but, you know, compared to some other places with the masking and, you know, space, um, it was still pretty respectful, uh, way better than Florida, obviously. <laughs> um, and, of course, like, a lot of things are outside, and, again, you do have to test negative or have a full vaccination card, and they do check it, um, to even, you know, step foot onto the island.
2: Well, we're glad that you're back to talk about Good Pop with us. Welcome back.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and also joining us, professional culture editor Han Nguyen. How's it going, Han? How is, so we're recording this podcast a day later than we usually do because last night Han had a date with Sir Gawain, so we couldn't record.
1: I mean, he kept me up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was a night well spent. Uh Wine and dine me at the Alamo Draft House. It was very good. Uh, came away with a book. So yeah, damn, that honestly sounds like a perfect date. Like, right?
0: And- <laughs> honestly.
2: <laughs> well, we'll learn more about your date with we'll Sir Gawain later on on the episode. Um, it's the end of July, so that means it's time once again for our monthly uh, Asian American news roundup. Do we want this? So we'll be uh, going over some of the latest Asian American casting and production entertainment news. Um, after the break but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture speaking is through the week um i mean let's start with han tell us about your date with sir going
1: okay i'm not going to go into super deep we will eventually cover this movie on the podcast but um i do want to say that when you watch the trailer for the green knight and you're like, what the fuck was that? But it looked good. <laughs> um, that's kind of what I think you should set your uh, intentions for watching. Um, David Lowery is the director and he cited... Uh, we When I watched it at the Alamo Draft House, He they had a little pre-show where... Um, uh, it's a pre-recorded where he said his five films that kind of inspired him and affected how he did the Green Knight. And he cited things like, you know, the Dark Crystal from Jim Henson <laughs> and then also um Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. And so you're just like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? And he listed three others. One of them is like a silent film about Joan of Arc, so, so I'm
2: just <laughs> getting a lot of magical realism in this in this it, description. yeah,
1: it's it's got it's I'm gonna telling you. It's gorgeous. It sounds amazing. And I don't know how much to emphasize that, that that's why I'm like, if you can see it in a theater, definitely see it in a theater. Cause you want it, the weirdness and the coolness and like the score and the, the voices. Yes, there are odd voices um, to really have an effect on you. I am not, I am not that person who usually like notices the score and things like that, but this is just like ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it's it, total like sort of sensory experience. It's a little odd. There's definitely some magical realism, but it's also kind of like if this is set during the Arthurian legendy times, so it's like there is going to be magic and weird creatures <laughs> and stuff. Um
2: I have to ask because this is the entire premise of A24's marketing campaign <laughs> for this movie. How hot is death Patel?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing. You know how hot like We found him in um, David Copperfield because he has the long hair and it's just like flowing. But he had like so many clothes on. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) Green Knight, you do see some uh, some shirtless. You see some um, uh, getting it on with Alicia Vikander. It's not. Oh, my God. They're so attractive. (laughs) Yeah, they're ridiculously attractive. They're not. I'm not going to tell you they're super sexy scenes. Don't set yourself up for that. But there is, I mean, the fact that he's in like every scene being like a hot night <laughs> is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I that's just and I just want to do a quick shout out. I'm going to segue very sloppily from, you know, circa Wayne to like uh, F-Boys, um, where uh, by the time you listen to this, definitely watch F-Boy Island which is a new HBO Max uh, dating show series. But it's like, it's Nikki Glaser is the host and is also a producer. And when you're talking about F-boys and hot guys and whether they're good for you or not, but I'm they're just eye candy, um, the show is it. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I think it's going to be like a big hit. Like, I think people are going to be talking about this. So... Um, Yeah, that's my weird segue of hotness. (laughs) We were talking
2: about doing a go Asian for F-Boy Island because there is an Asian F-Boy. F-Boy? Question
1: mark in there? So there are two Asians, although you only noticed it in the trailer. There's one because he's just so fucking good looking that you like <laughs> that you're just like who is he and then i and then i remember talking about let's do a go asian for this but i was like but maybe we won't get to because he's probably an f boy and we'll be eliminated so i'm not gonna give away anything but no, yet- man,
0: asian f boys are the most dangerous because people underestimate them and they're like yeah. oh there's no way this like sweet little asian man can be a fuck boy and then
1: bam they are yeah. so there's- i you know there's actually possibly three. Um, I think Dividge might be one. Um, but uh, on the show, the Asians on the show, I'm not saying their status of F boy or a nice guy yet. Um, but I just you're going to thank me. Just watch it. We're going to have a lot of conversations. I feel like it's going <laughs> to be in the zeitgeist. Um, people are going to be arguing about the show. Um, but yeah, so, so much hotness coming to your, your way. Take advantage of while, while. I,
2: I just love how the show just like, it's not subtle at all. Like it's right there in the title, what you're in for. And I kind of love that. I, it might yeah, have it, convinced me to actually watch it.
1: it. It's not subtle. And in fact, it embraces the ridiculousness of it. Um, I don't want to give certain things away, but they definitely have fun with the titles and how they treat them. And, yeah, so, and, and the fact that, you know how, like, Love Island is the most ridiculous setup in the world? Well, not F-boy- anymore. F-Boy Island actually pokes fun at the ridiculousness of it. So <laughs> they don't try to make it seem like, oh, this is an incredibly romantic thing. They actually, like, poke f- holes into, <laughs> you know. So it's not a spoof. But it still has fun with it. And it's very self-aware. I mean,
0: props to Love Island, though. It really walks all these other shows could run. So <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I, I
1: still love Love Island. You know, I'm watching the UK one and I might also take on the American one again uh, simultaneously. But yeah, right now I'm a little bit busy. I did finish all of my screeners for F-Boy Island. So I do know how it ended. Oh, um, so people are going to have to catch up with me because they have the first three episodes out this week and then it's out weekly. So, yeah, good times.
2: Good times. All right, Jess, I'm looking at your topic for this week. And I actually just noticed this on my like it got recommended to me on my pod feeder. So I'm excited to hear about it. what's popping, Jess.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. So a uh, total 180 from Han. Uh, Love Island, hooking up on the beach, very sexy. You know what's not sexy? Colonialism, um, looting. <laughs> so I have been obsessed with this very, uh, very well produced, but there right now very limited podcast. So it's a good time to like hop Ooh. on the train because there's only I believe like six or seven episodes called "Stuff the British Stole" <laughs> from producer Mark Fennell, who himself uh, and is produced by the Australia broadcast channel so like their bbc where do we
2: start (laughs) where do they start
0: oh my god so mark Fennell, just a little background he's he's the perfect person to do this because he himself is part irish part indian but his mother who is indian grew up in singapore and he is an australian national so he himself addresses that in the first episode. He's like, I wouldn't really be here if colonization wasn't a thing. British colonization specifically. So that already kind of puts a very like unique, interesting spin on it. And I love the format of each episode. They basically deep dive into a specific object, a specific cultural object that uh, whose history, provenance or, uh, you know, basically story is tied with British colonization. And around the world. So they they cover some of the Benin Bronzes. They have an episode on um Pekingese dogs. Very interesting. Mm. They have a episode on the um the on, on tattoos, like shrunken head tattoos from from New Zealand. Um and what I love is that it's not just about the object itself, but he really does a great job of bringing the story to modern times, contemporary times, and explaining why it's so bad and how it still affects people to this day. And oftentimes the cultural object becomes a symbolism for a much bigger, deeper, tra- more tragic story. Uh, really, really recommended it. It's only like 30 to 40 minutes per episode. Mm-hmm. Um it's he does not shy away from it it's a really good like counter programming i think to like museum culture <laughs> or like predominantly white institutions that will like definitely gloss over this shit um and yeah i just i'm a history freak i love talking shit about british con you know british people <laughs> white british people um so would recommend if you like you know the 99% visibles and the like 30 things that changed the modern economy you will love this show.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm actually. I have a road trip. My first road trip in since the pandemic coming up in a week. So I'm going to load this Ooh. up and listen to it on the Ooh, way.
0: Oh, yeah, that's perfect. And then yeah. it does make. I, I, a part of me really wishes they would make this into like a docuseries. series. Like if we could see the object, um, because I would just basically spend the rest. Of my nights after each episode, like deep diving into Wikipedia (laughs) articles and like research spirals for fun. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And I
2: feel like the um, next version of like Indiana Jones or National Treasure needs to be about this, right? The like anti like reverse archaeology.
0: Yeah, about restoration. And I don't know if you've ever traveled a lot, but some museums or cultural institutions or countries are so petty pissed which i mean they have a right to be where they will like they have whole sections in their museums dedicated to like this very thing like shit the british stole are. this is how the <laughs> british fucked us over if you ever go to athens they have an entire section of the museum bad mouthing elgin with the elgin marbles you know the guy who looted the elgin marbles from the parthen Non, very famously and greece is still waiting to get them back they're like we Mm. want them back and then oh no no loan them to you they're like what the fuck that's even worse that's even (laughs) more insulting so they've created entire like sections just being like fuck this guy he can choke on a dick and die i mean obviously not that but the vibe is definitely fuck this dude choke on a dick
2: that's amazing and it's that's it's beautiful. really
0: yeah and i don't know if you've ever been to any of these like big ass british institutions like the british museum or the victorian albert they are publicly funded museums that are free to the public um beautiful grand buildings but yeah like definitely just buildings full of stolen shit <laughs> and i will say like how they prioritize certain things is really in, in these british museums is like kind of extra aggravating because you know i I think you can again big museum head there's something special about seeing something in the context of the time and place which the object came from for me personally versus seeing one object in a mass conglomeration of other objects and definitely you can probably guess which objects are kind of massed together in these british museums versus which ones are highlighted a little bit more I just it's the brown and black people stuff that are just thrown all together. Like their oceana <laughs> session is always like in the like basement level, no windows, you know, like dimly lit. I guess all museums are dimly lit to preserve the yeah. artifacts, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying.
2: I look forward to be um indignant about colonialism on my way to Santa Barbara. Oh yeah, when week, you get to week. the China
0: <laughs> episode, man, have fun. All
2: right.
0: But, well, that's enough about me, Marvin. What's popping with you?
2: All right. Um, I'm surprised this wasn't popping for both of you, but I've been watching <laughs> nothing but the Olympics for the last week.
0: I got to stop talking. you there before
2: dun, John, dun, John Williams estate comes dun, and like, dun, 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 actually, is John Williams still dun, alive. Dun, dun, he's still alive, right?
0: I think he's still alive. All
2: right. John. Before John Williams comes and sues us for infringement
0: yeah he's listening to this (laughs) yeah they are notoriously very harsh with that copyright i will say
2: i do enjoy the fact that it's one of the only times that we get to listen to the brisco county junior theme which is this old science fiction bruce campbell television show that the own that that lives on through um the use of its theme song in the nbc's coming up next segment (laughs) which is always amazing. Um, Yeah, Summer Olympics. Um, Speaking of, like, Tom and I touched on how, you know, conflicted we are in enjoying the Olympics because, especially in this time and age, like, the fact that it got delayed for a year because of the pandemic, and it's still not, the pandemic's still not over, plus, like, just the general chaos it sows in its hosting countries. But, man... We love an Olympics. Watch. I yeah. mean, it's
0: undeniable. Sports, the drama, the the human interest stories, the redemption arcs. We, I fucking love it, Marvin. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all the
1: things. It's all the things that you like about sports films, without the sports uh, team stuff. But it's just all that all the time.
2: It's all of that plus nationalism.
0: But, uh, I also woo! feel like this is like one of the first years because of like Peacock and some of the apps. Like we're getting yes. like all the coverage. Like we are not beholden to just watching it prime time. Like we can watch any event.
2: They've been doing that for the last couple of years though, because they've been they've always had like the like the premiere package where you can watch like streamed um But now content. you can do
1: it for kind of more free. Like I do think it's more accessible with Peacock. I do. That's the only reason why I've watched any of this, which is still very little.
2: <laughs> All right, so for what's popping with me to talk about the Olympics week one um, highlights, um, and this is just open to everybody, just because like we, it's, it's kind of just it's what's going on right now. It's the zeitgeist. Um, um, we can also do like a pseudo go Asian because some of the Asians have been doing pretty well during these mm-hmm. Olympics. Um, a lot has been said about Lee Kiefer uh, winning the gold. America's first gold in fencing. First
0: individual fencing foil gold in U.S. in, in U.S. modern Olympic history. Oh, and I love and,
2: how NBC Asian America, their headline is, Med Student Wins Gold Medal oh, in fencing. yeah! <laughs> it
0: gets better than that. So she is married to Garrick Meinhardt, the male fencer on the U.S. team, who is also biracial Asian. Mm -hmm. And they are married, and apparently, their wedding was like called the Royal Fencing Wedding (laughs) because everybody was like an elite U.S. fencer. They are also both in med school. Yeah. And apparently, 25% of the U.S. fencing team is just also med students. (laughs) Insane. Also, deep dove into her Instagram, her family, also all fencers, med students. Both her parents are doctors. Like, insane. I'm like, I, I wonder if they do anything besides just, like, study and fence. I doubt it, but I'm happy they found each other. Like, they're <laughs> also really hot. Like, they're just both very hot people. Yeah. This is
1: very interesting to me because I actually was a fencer in... And- college but i didn't land a hot fencer med student like husband what the hell i don't know
0: what you did wrong (laughs) huh maybe like you didn't make it you should have trained harder for the olympics (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah
2: too bad for the husband though garrick meinhart is rated number two in the world for foil but he did not make it past i think the round of 16 so
0: yeah so that's the crazy (laughs) thing she Mm. was lower ranked than him and she was beat she was fencing against the number one, I think, in the world and like Mm -hmm. they were expecting, you know, the number one to win because I don't think Lee Lee Kiefer was like seated that high Mm -hmm. and she won. I'm like, wow, good for you girl.
2: That's the kind of feel good story you get. And um and yeah, we I definitely watched that that last round over and over again on the social media. I do love watching during the Olympics like the non main sports. Um, because I feel like I learn a lot about them. Like they actually get experts because I feel like some of the primetime sports, the announcers just are missing something. Oh,
0: oh, I, the Olympics is the only time where you put on anything, you just stream it and I would be so invested. I got so (laughs) invested in, um, I, I caught the final leg of men's triathlon and there was like a biracial British runner or a, a triathlete who was like, they kept saying like, oh, he's the best runner of this pack. He's the best runner, but he didn't win the and the, the running section, which was the last, like this guy <laughs> from Norway, like hauled ass and like a won triathlon. And I was like, in no other context would I be sitting here glued to my television, rooting for this man I had just met like five <laughs> minutes mm-hmm. ago. And then I also had to be like, he had like a very ambiguous last name and a very ambiguous like face, so <laughs> I was like, "Oh, like, are you on my go Asian segment?" Like, I'm still, I'm still happy for you, dude. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying to figure it out. And then, yeah, all every and all sport. I was like, yes, like rowing, fa- fantastic. I did um, learn what a
2: peloton I, is from oh, watching yes. cycling. It's a bike, it's, right? It, no, it's it, it it's like not, a no. it's like a pod of bikers. It's like a main pod of bikers. Mm-hmm that's how the, like the
0: lead mm-hmm. oh my god also really into uh men's volleyball specifically the U team usa is chocked full of very attractive tall asian men there's the shoji brothers uh, very cute um also eric shoji has a great tiktok he's the libero on on tiktok he's been like recording all his very tall teammates he is the short one on the team at six feet mm.
2: Ooh,
0: that's my um, kind of short yeah well he's a libero so he's not there to like spike the ball he's there to make sure it doesn't hit the ground <laughs> uh that's what i learned from you know <laughs> olympic watching slash there's like a very popular volleyball anime that everyone is watching yes and apparently, yes like everyone now knows a lot about volleyball because of that anime
1: that's how uh, every sport should just like get new viewers is just do an anime like we had <laughs> oh, yeah. like like well, whether the ice ice skating one um yuri on ice is yes, also tennis ice. prince yeah. back in yeah. the day oh my god tennis prince <laughs> wow yeah um so
0: that's been really fun of course suni lee in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. she's she's been doing real good oh and you know with simone biles out of the individual all around
1: she has a She has a chance. She has a chance of winning gold. Suni Suni is so good at everything, but her on the uneven bars. Uneven bars? It's unnatural. It's like, it's not even that she makes it look easy, but she just does things that you're just like, is that even possible with physics? Um, I legitimately don't understand how they
0: like launch themselves from a lower bar to a Mm -hmm. higher bar
1: while twisting. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of like, uh, momentum she gets without it making look like it's effortful is ridiculous. Ugh. Yeah, and then the whole story, like her
0: family, they, they yeah. keep showing her family was super cute, and you know the story about her dad, um, getting into an accident and like being partially paralyzed, and I'm just like, damn,
1: NBC.
2: I'm surprised they haven't shown any packages about her Mong heritage yet, but I'm I'm assuming they're saving that for the all around, right?
1: I probably. I mean, uh, so Thursday, so actually tomorrow, yeah, <laughs> so. We'll find out a bit about more about that. Maybe they're saving it. Did we already hear about the aunt and uncle who died of COVID? Did oh yeah, they that? mentioned
0: that. Um, she mm-hmm. she's so cute. She she just reminds me of like like a little cousin I have or something. I'm just like her lashes look great. I'm like you 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 can do this. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, sunY. <coughs>
2: I've also been watching a lot of net sports because that's where you get your fill of just Asian athletes like dominating. Like
0: badminton. Badminton, uh, table tennis. As your note says, every, every, every single country has a Chinese defector.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fun. It's funny because even America has like a couple, like the American like badminton team and like table tennis team, maybe one or two Asian Americans and the rest are all like definitely from China. I'm curious. I'm
1: curious what. What do your families? What is your family's relationship to the net sports? Um, and then I'll tell you my family. They're whatsoever. just low key, very good at it. I uh-huh. don't know how. I don't know why. <laughs> but I
0: remember when my family went on a cruise, like many decades ago. We like monopolized the ping pong table, and like all of a sudden, my dad's like, "All right," and I'm just like, "What the what the fuck? How do you guys? How are you so good at this?" And they're like, yeah.
2: "Was he playing for cash or something? Was he hustling yeah. the cruise?"
0: probably. He was like, "Yes, he was." He was like trying to be like you want to play, you want to play for cash to so like other people." I'm like, ah. "All right.
2: We can't talk about the Olympics without mentioning the broadcast um quality of NBC, which every year seems to um I guess they get a little better and a little worse every year. Um the biggest thing that stood out to me for the entire broadcast is the main studio where Mike Tarico does his like recap. Why so many bonsai trees? Do they think we'll forget that they're in Tokyo?
0: Because Japan, Marvin. <laughs> Japan. I mean, and they're like, how else will we know?
2: Yeah, it's like bonsai trees and paper lanterns.
0: They're probably yeah. like, well, we can't use ninja and samurai because that's racist. and they can't <laughs> A bonsai tree every
1: other square inch? Yes. How is the music? They don't have like random gongs and tinkling, you know, uh,
2: <laughs> so, if they did i tuned it out because i was okay just, you know yeah. yeah yeah
1: bonsai the closest and 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 this is also what they have learned they did Kou have a Kou package
2: Pai. with geishas too so they did yeah. that.
1: yeah i mean they i saw a package pre-olympics where they went to see the sumo wrestlers because they have to but of course it's not even a sport at the olympics so whatever um <laughs> it's fine like sumo is actually important to japanese culture so i i don't want to downplay that um but it was just one of those things where it's like do we have to see the same sumo package every time we go to japan because honestly i just want them to go deeper um the like even netflix has a uh, a a netflix short short documentary about like a sumo wrestler who's a woman so i'm like (laughs) you could show different things About the Suwo culture.
0: No, no, Han. No, no. Bonsai trees (laughs) and
1: tachas. Well, look, this is what Cobra Kai told us. Oh,
2: also, there was (laughs) a segment where Mike Trouka says... Japanese animation or anime has been sweeping uh, the globe. So now we've created our own. We've turned our own American athletes into anime.
1: No. Oh,
0: I've seen those there. I mean, the, the thing is they are actually very well done. Sure. <laughs> um, like, but I was
1: like, yeah. oh, my God, I cannot with y'all right now. The the way that you're right, the way they write these packages, because they could just say, because we're in Japan, we decide to turn our athletes into anime versions versus them themselves. No explanation needed very clear um but yeah it's one of those things i watch out for when i read any of these uh asian american um well rom-coms ya books uh mysteries because every now and then they talk about the 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 chinese uh and then they name the food and i'm like we don't have to call it the chinese whatever like the vietnamese pho (laughs) we don't need to do that um so yeah Yeah. but then han
0: how would they know that it's Japanese or Chinese.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it's 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 very unless unless you were using a word that's actually not Japanese, I feel like yeah, you could just say the Japanese word.
0: <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. They got a program to like Middle America,
1: yo. Yeah, they're not they're
2: not making this for us. <laughs> they're making yeah. this for
1: Well, I feel like there's a top twenty words that I think we should know in America by now, and you then you don't have to explain it.
2: well it's been a fun first week of the olympics looking forward to the second week which is going to be uh full of it's track and field time right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i was also gonna i haven't looked up what the schedule is but i want to check out the climbing yeah wall
2: climbing is making its debut soon which should be fun. all right we'll keep keeping tabs on the olympics but that'll do it for what's popping for this week when we come back we're gonna go over some asian american entertainment news and ask ourselves if we want this Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation. The good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's the end of July, which means it's time once again for our monthly Asian American Entertainment News Roundup called do we want this um so this month let's start off with jess what's her first story
0: yes so it was just announced that margaret cho uh iconic comedian <laughs> is joining bow and yang and joe kim booster in fire island the uh pride and prejudice adaptation directed by our friend andrew on do we
1: want this <laughs> uh i think it's a resounding <laughs> yes from everyone oh yeah yeah, it's queering it up in the most Asian way possible. Come on,
0: it is like she's the fairy godmother. I, I don't. I actually don't know who she would be. Um, like, is she gonna be the <laughs> um, Mrs. Bennett,
2: probably? Huh? Or Maybe?
0: or she'd be oh, like she'd be their mom or something. Or the 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 um
2: who was it Darcy's be Lady Aunt? Catherine? Yeah, Lady Catherine. Yeah. Oh my Lady god! Catherine.
0: If she's like a bitchy Lady Catherine, whatever, like the gay version in Fire Island is like I don't know, like the the the. the <laughs> not the landlord like the resort manager of like a bitchy resort manager of fire island or something i'm just it's great i'm so excited i'm so excited (laughs) she's great i think their energy will be fantastic very like torch passy vibes um very underutilized in margaret shows very underutilized in like life um and we just need more of her
2: Yeah, every I I feel like this project has really blossomed now that it's free from the grips of Quibi. Quibi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Every day, I thank Quibi. We thank Quibi for for, for not existing anymore, so that it can it has broken free all these other projects that were in quibi
2: i mean if it wasn't for quibi they wouldn't have the seed money to do this project right
0: yeah or the hyper momentum so yeah you know what quibi you did your job thank you so much um but now you can stay dead and we get a movie on hulu with margaret cho that's fantastic
2: i mean i don't think there's anything else to say about this except i just just went from like very anticipated to very very anticipated
0: 10 anticipation to like a 13 now
2: I mean, they this has got it like they have to hire like all the like all the queer Asian American actors. Right. Like you got to get BD Wong in there. You got to get.
1: I feel like there's a lot who I just think that might be <laughs> this is so dumb. I think all the young kids are pretty much queer. Like right?
0: cameo from like all the OGs like Rodney Toe, BD Wong, and I mean BD and like Bowen are already in Aquafina mm-hmm. together. <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, like let's add Jake Choi in there. Oh, Vincent yeah. Rodriguez, Nico Santos. Um, I I know I'm, I'm I am naming a lot of men, but you know Fire Island is very yes. gay, specifically like <laughs> men gay. Um, I feel I like mean, the les I the want plot. the lesbian version of this movie, but that would definitely be more like we're in a cottage somewhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: excited! All right, um, Han, what's your next story?
1: Uh, so it's actually a trailer. It is for the Netflix series The Chair. Uh, It just came out, and the series uh, premieres at the end, well, not the end, but August 20th, so in a couple weeks, uh, in a few weeks, and basically the chair uh, follows Sandra Oh, who plays Dr. Ji-Yoon Kim. Um, She has a new role as the chair of the English department at the prestigious Pembroke University. Uh, She faces unique challenges, of course, as the first woman to chair the department, But also, she's kind of getting the feeling that they hired her for certain reasons, because she's also one of the few staff members of color (laughs) at the university. And um, who else is in this? This also has one of the uh, Dupli brothers. Uh, uh, Hold on. Oh, okay. Mark or not Mark? Not Mark. (laughs) Jay. Jay. Okay, So uh, Jay Duplass, uh, I don't even know if that's how you say his name, is an English professor there's something going on with him. Uh, they also he, he also has kind of a really good friendship with Sandra O's character. <coughs> and and she's denying that it's anything more than friendship. But, you know, how things go. Uh, it is a drama a comedy. It, it I'm very excited about that. Well, OK, let's not skip ahead. Um, here's the interesting part. It is written, executive produced and show run by Amanda Peet. Oh, who is the wife of David Benioff of Game of Thrones Infamy? Um, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are actually executive producers, also, but they definitely didn't lead with them. So, um, uh, I, I, I am very they got some curious. good will to
2: make back. I think.
1: Oh, exactly. Also, uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm always kind of curious about when the wives do something because so far everything I've seen in the trailer and I have the screeners I just haven't watched it yet it looks hilarious it looks like sharp and funny and kind of insightful um, about the politics that is that comes with her taking this position but it also for me I'm very excited about because you know we've seen her on Killing Eve and the first season was amazing. Second season was fine. And now I just, I can't even think about the third season. But, um, and it's going to end in one one more season. So I, I've just been wanting to make sure that Sandra Oh keeps getting these leading roles. And um, and it seems like this is exactly perfect for her. It plays up to her strength. She, it lets her be funny in her Sandra Oh way. And, and sharp. And it also fits her age. Because, you know, there's always that idea that at some point, these uh, older actresses have to start playing like old people you know <laughs> or uh, if, if you know it, or unless they you know are b- playing cougars and so i feel like this one just fits exactly who she is her age and they're like that also means that they're recognizing women over 40 as a legitimate person <laughs> and not just
0: the mom the right. wife or right. yeah uh,
1: right so it, it I'm very excited about this. I guess I should have asked if, do we want this? But I already said I do.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like this role perfectly fits like O's energy, right? It's like the, I mean, it's, it seems like an extension of that skit from SNL where she plays like the admissions officer.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, <laughs> holy yeah. crap. Just bringing me back to SNL. Like she was so good in that episode. It was ridiculous. Uh, bonus. I forgot to mention this. The Linda Lindas, that adorable punk band, um, all Asian and not, not all Asian. I think there's all one female micro in there, right? Yeah, no, uh, she's Latinx. Oh. Um, so all female punk band um, based out of L. A., um, known for their song "Racist." Uh, hold on, "Racist Sexist Boy." Um, they did a, they did a song for Netflix's movie Moxie. So they also did a song for this, and it's called "Oh." O H exc- exclamation point! Hmm. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited about that. I'm I'm going to try to see if maybe we can um I can talk to them also. But very excited for like that sort of extra Asian e- energy that they decide to add.
2: Yeah, sounds great. All right. Speaking of extra Asian energy, this was reported by The Hollywood Reporter. Alana Condor was teaming up with Randall Park and Mike Lamco's, um production company, Imminent Collision, to produce a new project for Hulu called Takeout, um, which is going to be a half hour action comedy. So in Take Out, Lana Condor plays Iris, who struggles to balance her personal life with her restaurant job and her secret mission of destroying an evil crime syndicate determined to take over New York City. Um, the series is being described as a genre bender that takes an irreverent look at the modern day relationship comedy while also deconstructing one dimensional tropes from martial arts pop culture. So do we want this?
0: Yes. Yes. More Lana Condor. Um, I think, you know, she was in that kind of short lived series action series
2: deadly class right
0: yes Yes. we know she's funny and she could do physical comedy from the first to all the boys um she just hasn't been enough things like yes let's do this
2: i feel like this is a perfect it's also a perfect time for this type of series because we've had a lot of like kung fu series come out and i I just want one that just like deconstructs that right because i think that's what we've been talking about like let's just play with the the genre conventions right
1: yeah, oh, definitely. yeah. I mean, I think we've already done the sort of like straightforward, you know, martial arts. I think there are so many dimensions to martial arts that having this one that kind of plays with it is super smart. I love it when they mash up uh, things to comment on other things, which is a very <laughs> like eloquent way of talking about things like uh, The Knight's Tale, which is basically inspired by someone's career trying to be a writer in Hollywood, but he was, was like, I'm going to make it a night and, you know, being thrown in the deep end. So I, <laughs> I feel like mixing food, which, you know, always be my, maybe had some decent food stuff in it. Um, so the restaurant world, uh, her, you know, kind of coming, not coming of age, but I guess new adult, um, and then also martial arts. I'm so down for all aspects of yeah. it. Yeah.
2: And like Randall Park and Michael Lanko are a potent combo when producing stuff. So I'm yeah. always excited to see what these two, um, because they go back a long ass time, right? They, they go back to their, their college, college days.
0: Undergrad. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they haven't steered us wrong yet. Um, they're both very funny dudes who have done a pretty good job. I think of also just like uplifting and supporting like female centered stories. Like, you know, always be my maybe was super fun. And that was very much like Allie's like thing. And, you know, that doesn't always happens when you got two guys like driving the boat like <laughs> that. So I respect it.
1: I thought their quote, their joint quote, they wouldn't even say one person. Joint quote was very cute, which was love has the tendency to kick our asses. So we thought, why not a show about love and kicking ass? I mean, <laughs> just like they're so cute. I love yeah. them
0: sounds like them <laughs> um sounds like Michael if you know Michael he's very You're irreverent right. all the time love him um and i just think this is such a good another good star vehicle for Lana cuz i remember the discourse a while ago was that why isn't she it didn't seem like she was getting the same opportunities as like Noah Centineo whatever yes <laughs> centineo S- 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 well, yes you know what i'm talking about and it's true like and like let's be real like the success of that trilogy is built off her charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. More than his.
2: And let's not forget, she infamously was shafted during the X Men, um, what was it? The 80s one, where she was supposed to star Jubilee. as Jubilee and they cut all her speaking <gasps> scenes. Yeah. Uh, so
1: um, that was destined to die. Uh. So, yes. <laughs> so, yes. We want I want this. I want, want it. This I want lot. it now. We want
0: it, we want it now. <laughs> Um, also, just love a good time. You love a good action sequence in a movie, you know? Yeah. Just always a well done action sequence. Just super fun. Um, Put throw that in with some rom-comness. We love it. We love it.
2: it it'll be a good palate cleanser after like this is what this 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 will be our Cobra Kai
1: oh my god give me
2: nonsensical kung fu fights after funny rom-com scenes
1: my friends just keep trolling me because like every time i bring up something like cobra kai they're like you mean the emmy nominated cobra kai i'm like fuck (laughs) you
2: (laughs) oh man anyway (laughs) all right jess what's our next story
0: all right also in the action world has been announced that um Blade, the reboot, the Marvel reboot of the popular va- vampire hero will be directed by the mogul Mowgli director, Bassam Tariq. Um, he did with, you know, Mogul Mowgli was the project he did with Riz Ahmed. He is a Pakistani Muslim filmmaker. And, you know, they had they they cast uh, Marsha Shala Ali to play the new Blade. So it kind of shaping up to be something interesting. I don't know if they're going to lean into that angle or even as like a metaphor. But, you know, this is some, this is very kind of another exciting choice by Marvel. So do we want this?
2: Yeah. I'm all for Marvel uh, expanding their stable of directors to include more non-white people.
1: Yeah, and especially if you're going to have Mahershala Ali, you need to make sure that someone treats him right. So, um, super, super excited about that. I have to say,
2: this guy does have some big shoes to fill because the original Blade trilogy was actually not that terrible.
1: No, it was good. I
0: love, that's the thing, I love the original Blade trilogy. Like, I even love the third one, which was, Mm -hmm. like, objectively, like, shittier. Was that the Ryan Reynolds Reynolds one? And Jessica (laughs) Biel, but it was still really fun. Um, And, you know, Tariq's, filmography isn't that long and i can't even say i'm too familiar with his work but i am all for um, non-white directors cashing the marvel money and getting that check and getting to blow shit up at 300 million dollar scale so yes <laughs> this is i want this
2: yeah and i mean kevin veige in pretty good at giving like I guess non, non-traditionally blockbuster directors have shot at, like, taking the helm of Marvel projects, and they haven't really done anything. They haven't gone wrong That yet, terrible. That. Yeah. that
0: terrible. Yes. There's been some not-so-good Marvel movies, but they haven't been, like, unwatchable in the way some maybe some other franchises have been. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, let's be real. They're gonna... It's, it's like, you know, all these directors, a lot of times, it's still, like, a pro license like a provisional license like we know Kevin Feige is really driving the car and we'll take the reins should he need to or want to at any given time. But um, again, it is I don't know of a bigger global platform for a filmmaker than a Marvel movie. And it could have very easily gone to some, you know, the guy who did James Bond 17 or whatever. But I do think to keep track with all these franchises, now people are realizing they got to push for new voices, new talent, make it interesting, or else you're going to get the same movie
1: over and over again.
2: Arhan, <laughs> hit me with the next story.
1: <laughs> okay, so sort of, you know, uh, drafting off of last month when, you know, I, we talked about Somewhere Only We Know. Uh a YA book by Maureen Goo that's being adapted. And I was like, I'm very excited about this, but I haven't watched it yet. So since then, I've read everything by her. <laughs> <laughs> and it that's a good thing, too, because apparently her other young adult romance, um, one of the other ones, uh, I believe in A Thing Called Love, yet another one named after a song, uh, it is being adapted by Netflix into a feature film.
2: Yeah, that's the one about the girl who... Dates using K like K drama rules, right?
1: Yeah. So Desi, she is named after Desi Arnaz. Um, <laughs> uh, Desi is kind of this adorable, like overachieving nerd who, even though she has kind of everything going for her, is just hopeless when it comes to guys to the point where she always fucks it up somehow by in a very embarrassing public way. So she calls them like failures, something like, like. Something was it? I forgot now. Failure. Something. What's the romance? Anyway, so she always does something. So, like, let's say, uh, she 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 has a cold, and so she coughs up a loogie on a guy when he asks her out. You know, stuff like that. So, anyway, so finally, she she meets this new guy who she's like, oh my god, I cannot fuck this up. Like, I really, 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 really like him. So she's like, uh, and her dad, who is uh, he's a single dad because their mom, her mom died. Um, is super into K-dramas and she's just always kind of dismissed it and so finally she's like well my dad is always watching these things so she spends a whole weekend binging K-dramas and then like makes up a list of how they work and then um decides to follow those sort of like that sort of trope of uh, like every single step of what typically happens and what she's supposed to do um so it actually ends up being very cute and adorable and of course she learns eventually that you can't just follow those rules um but <laughs> but it's also a very nice romance and i like how um but anyway so that aside that's being adapted um yulin kwang is a. Uh, is going to adapt it. And then here's the other extra thing which I actually liked um in this story, which is uh let me get his name. Uh young hun Lee is gonna play the dad, which is awesome because if you've seen him he's hot. And um <laughs> <laughs> and and like he's and an here,
2: actual K drama dude, right? He's
1: a K drama dude. He's known for like stuff in south korea but also he has actually transitioned a little bit into america so he's been in like one of the gi joe movies and well, he was storm shadow
2: in the yeah. original gi joe yeah and i and think wasn't he like ninja assassin wasn't that him
1: yeah and i think also <laughs> magnificent, he was seven. In magnificent seven yeah right. He-ha. He-ha. yeah He-ha. and yeah, so yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the interesting thing because this is also my age rage. um two of the at least two of the marine goo uh ya novels has the single father raising the daughter, and the father is always hot. So, <laughs> so I'm always like, I think he's kind of my age, you know? And so now I get to actually have be, I can watch this romantic comedy that's very cute and sweet, but then actually have a, Love interest in the correct age range that I can like look at on screen. Um, besides those like teen boys who, you know, that's just gross. So um, I mean, the
2: key word is single dad is single, right?
1: Is so, that I, your is that your kryptonite single
0: single di- Asian DILFs? <sighs> I don't know if they need to be dads. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> so, oh, I don't want the child. Right. I just like well, the it, idea of a dill. Well, they are also whenever I read these, they are the kids are always almost like adults. So that's fine. Like as long as they're almost out of the nest, the nest, it's cool. But yeah, it's true that dating and the die, the guy and the, sorry, the dad and dating is always uh, a part of the plot. Um, but anyway, so again, I-, I ran ahead. I didn't ask, do we want this? Cause I wanted it.
2: <laughs> oh, I do? want this as well. I love, I love, the fact that Moringu is not getting one but two adaptations of her very adaptable stories. I feel like sh- she has a very like K-pop, K-drama style to her books and which translates very well to screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super exciting. Um, my <laughs> The last story is also adaptation news. This was reported by Deadline. Um, the Ink Factory, um, the Endeavor content Back production company best known for making The Night Manager, has optioned C. Pam Zhang's debut novel, How Much of These Hills is Gold, um, with a view to develop it into a TV series. Uh, How Much of These Hills is Gold is a story about a pair of siblings traversing the American West while transporting their dad's dead body. It was selected as a Barack Obama Book of the Year in 2020 and takes place during the gold rush. The Ink Factory is partnered on the project with Anita Go from The Farewell, who executive produced through her Kindred Spirit banner. And the writer is Han So Young, um, whose credits include Netflix's Tale of the City and Apple TV Plus's Pachinko. Um, mm. Do we want this? Han, I know that you read this book yeah, already, right? So
1: I, hell yes, uh, I want this because... While I don't think it's a perfect book, I think it's actually still a very good book. Like, I had never read anything like this. Um, number one, as we know, there are very few projects that actually deal with Chinese people in America during the, that sort of gold rush West, Old West. So we have things like um, Warrior, you know, and then <laughs> we have uh, First Cal, and I think that's a, and I think that's about it so this is really interesting in that we have these two younger characters who are kind of dealing with not having parents and traversing the country um, and I don't want to reveal too much but you do get to learn more about the how the parents you know first came over their different stories because you know not all Chinese people came here the same way Um and there is some things in there regarding gender, which is why I was kind of excited when they're talking about Hansel um, from Tales of the City doing this. Um, and there are just a lot more themes and plots in here that you would than you would expect from the initial plot line um, premise. So, I, I I remember I read this partly on my own and partly because of a book club. And when we were talking about it, we ended up talking about it for quite a while because there's just a lot of things to dig into. So I would be more than happy to like see this on screen and see how they adapt it, first of all, but then also to see how people react to it. Cause yeah, there's there's just so much going on in this story.
2: I think um, you know, stories about this time period, like there's not enough because there's not enough in general of Asian American stories, but also just stories about this time period where like, we're leading up to the point where Chinese Americans are actively discriminated and excluded from American, you know, citizenship. Um, it's a very interesting time to take a look at where our country was and how far or how little we've grown since then. Um, and it's always like the American West is such a quintessentially like American setting. Uh, but to see it through the eyes of like non-white people again yeah. is... You know, for better, we're still very novel and still very like I personally want to see more of as well. And also just I want to see the set designs and the production designs and the costumes, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Because, look, I mean, hmm. I I didn't ever like the old Westerns, you know, where where people were in brown face playing Indians. But I did <laughs> like things like Little House on the Prairie, which is a Western. Um, It's pioneering type stuff. And, you know, there, there are problematic plot lines in there, too based on, you know, the person who wrote it. But still, there is that sort of, there's sort of a romantic thing about, like, just, you know, making your own house by, you know, <laughs> by <laughs> scratch and, like, not having technology and all this other stuff that we see. But we didn't, you know, I didn't know when I was a kid that there were Chinese people doing this type of stuff. Um, so, yeah, th- there's been so few of these that I think it would really recontextualize that sort of, like, westward expansion idea um and just like who is one of the older people here in america
2: we're looking forward to learning more about this project as we go on hopefully it becomes more than just an option um
1: yeah i feel like even if they don't start it someone else is gonna like snap it but i think it's i think it's so rich with story (laughs) and (laughs) possibility
2: and yeah with that um That'll do it for this edition of Do We Want This? It's always good to see how many projects are being greenlit. Of course, it's just a drop in the bucket. But uh looks like we have a lot of good content. A lot of good pop coming down um the next few years. That'll also do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Thanks again so much for listening. Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
1: I'm on Twitter at just Jude Tweets And I am at
2: Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Uh, Check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, join us next week when we talk about the second season of the hit Netflix series, Never Have I Ever. Looking forward to finally discussing um, that with you two. And after that, um, Jess, we're going to go watch Green Night, right? Since Han ditched us. We're going to have our own date with Sir Gawain.
0: Yeah, it's going to be super horny, Marvin. Get ready.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you all next time on Good Pop. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye. Bye.